God has his people for his time to do what he wants them to do. And that's how it works. Thanks for joining us now for Until All Have Heard from the Far East Broadcasting Company with Ed Cannon, FEBC President. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Ed, recently you had uh, another in an ongoing series of conversations with Frank Gray. Now tell us who Frank Gray is. Well, Frank Gray is a dear friend of mine and of FEBC. He has served many, many years at various locations of FEBC. To start with, he was uh, living in Laos with his wife and a young family, um, serving in a very, very difficult place, but serving with passion to serve Christ mm-hmm. and communicate his gospel. Um, he, he's a treasure of knowledge right. of the history of FEBC. He's been with you several times on the podcast here, yes, so yeah. our listeners can go back in the archive and listen to some of those previous mm-hmm, conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and in this particular conversation, I think we're going to think a little bit about uh, how FEBC seeks and finds new people, how this process works, where how in the world do you find somebody to serve in Laos and speak the language and all those sorts of things? But most importantly, uh, we'll hear from Frank's heart to share the gospel. He's a very, very committed evangelist worldwide. He's really a dear, sweet man with a heart for the Lord. Yeah. And uh, we're going to hear some more from him, right, Wayne? Yes. Well, we're going to hear from Frank in just a moment as you connected with him at his home in England. But uh, I love last week we talked about uh, the future as we stand at the threshold of this new year. And with Frank, we're going to kind of look back on where we've been so we know where we're headed, right? Well, absolutely. I think when you're thinking about planning the future— Without looking back at the past, the lessons we've learned, the roads that we've traveled, the successes that God has given FEBC, mm-hmm. we'd be foolish to think yeah. that we could look at the future without understanding those things from the past. So that's exactly what Frank brings back to us and what we're just about to hear. There's great value. Here's Ed. So, Frank, it's great to be with you again. Uh, the last time we talked, I know our producer, Joe Carlson, and I particularly enjoyed one of the comments that you made, you said when talking about Pastor John Lee, what if he had never come to FEBC? And and, and in essence, how did God bring him here? And I know in the time that you spent with FEBC, you probably saw a lot of other issues that were like God drawing someone. Are there some stories that come to mind today that you might like to share with our listeners about how God brought certain people to FEBC and the difference that that made? Yes, one springs to mind, um, Ed. Um, it's in connection with our Mon broadcast. That's M-O-N, Mon. as opposed to Mon, Mon yeah, yeah. from Myanmar. Um, a dear fellow by the name of Mam was living close to the FEBC office back in the early 90s, and he used to ride back and forth on his way to Bible school at Biola, I think it was. And he thought, I wonder if they'd be interested in what I can provide. Um, so he came in one day and um, got people got talking to him, and then he was passed over to me, and I found that he wasn't a, a Burmese as such, but he was a Mon person. And Mon was one of those um, languages on our list when we were doing the World by 2000 project. And a people group of perhaps one or two million, I think they were, in, in, uh, in, in Myanmar, coming down into Thailand. Um, and so I was very excited. 
because I saw that here was somebody that potentially could be that person to do the Mon broadcast for us. And uh, he was excited, too, to learn that Mon was on the list yeah. um, of languages. And so it it all came together, and he raised his support and went out to Thailand in the early 90s and went through some basic training there and set up a studio in his home and um, used local Mon people that he found in Thailand, Christians, and he trained them and worked with them, and they prepared Mon language broadcasts, and they've been going on ever since. And so that was another what-if um, example I can think yeah, of. That, yeah. um, but so, it's just God has his people for his time to do what he wants them yeah, to do, and yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to share with the people listening a little bit more about Mem and the challenges that he had in those days. Mem had polio as a very young child and was pretty severely crippled. It didn't stop him from being very active. As a matter of fact, he shared with me at one point, he made his own braces as a young man out of wood scraps to allow him to be able to walk. And he spent quite a bit of time in and amongst the people in these rural uh, tropical regions, uh, visiting with listeners, sharing the good news with them. And the uh, I've got a picture, Frank, in my office of when I got to visit Mem in Thailand from his studio. And he shared this wonderful story. I said, you know, you've got this interesting soundproofing up on the walls. What exactly is this? And he said, well, I didn't have any, a lot of money, but I realized that in the garbage heaps in the city, there were a number of cardboard crates where they would ship mangoes. So they were formed just to fit a mango, and it didn't disturb them when they were shipped, and they wouldn't be damaged. And so he would pull these cardboard mango crates out of the garbage heaps and nailed them up on the wall in studio so his soundproofing were were disposed, used cardboard mango crates. Uh, <laughs> and he was very proud of that. But the thing that really struck me the most about Mem was once the age of technology developed to the point where he could put his programs on the internet, on a, a, a web page, and he could track real time the number of people that were listening. And he would just constantly keep looking at that number. We would have a meal in his kitchen, and then he would get in his wheelchair, and he'd go back into the studio, and he'd call me. Hey, Ed, come look. Look at how many people are streaming this content live while we're watching with their own eyes. And he would pray, and you knew it was in his heart so deeply that he was reaching the people, and he could actually see those numbers. What an encouragement it was to me to sit in that mango crate soundproofed studio <laughs> and watch Mem in his wheelchair seeing the number of people listening to his program. It's very special. Yeah. Any Anything else, Frank, that comes to mind about how God selected people and drew them to the ministry of FEBC? Um, I don't know a lot of the personal background um, of other people, although I can see in my own um, pathway how there were a number of what-if moments, what-if this and what-if that. Yeah. 
and it it almost makes you feel shiver down your spine just to think what would have happened if yeah. so and this or that hadn't happened. Yeah. And it, 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 I remember being up in northeast Thailand. It was in a um, I went up there to meet a Dutch lady that we knew from Laos who was working with the Nung people. And it was in a remote village um, near Mesoriang, up in the northwest of Thailand, right up in that top corner. And we went there to, I went there to meet this fellow who'd come out of Myanmar, across the border, and we recorded his programs, and we started off out in the paddy field, because good acoustics out there. <laughs> there wasn't anywhere else except straw huts and so on. And uh, he was a lovely fellow. His family was still back in, in Myanmar. And uh, it struck me what an interesting um, collection of callings had come together. There was this fellow who'd come out of Myanmar. Um, the lady who was working with him was Dutch, and she'd been serving previously in Laos. Um, there was me involved in it too, and in the, setting up the recording process. The programs were going to be sent to Manila for broadcasting, where mm -hmm. there'd be uh, Filipinos and missionaries and the programs would be beamed back to Myanmar to people that none of us had ever met before mm. and it was a classic case of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 you know um, how we're co-workers together with God and yeah. and all it takes for that to work out is for the, each of these people to be responding to, to God's calling and his will and when that happens you get some amazing things happen and um, god's able to to bless people um through that chain yeah. however unlikely yeah. it may seem yeah yeah just amazing you think about frank today uh, 154 languages that febc are broadcasting with people just like you found so You've seen it in the early days and how it's evolved to find these people. God brings them to us. We don't find them uh, in all these different ways. And yet today we have so many still uh, broadcasting those kinds of programs from all over the world. I was just wishing two weeks ago I was off at the ethnic minority language gathering. So we had... Uh, about 25 or 30 of these ethnic language broadcasters, mostly in, in Southeast Asia there in northern Thailand. Uh, and to see the joy on the face of all these various broadcasters who had never met each other before. And now they've all been doing this for many, many, many years. And now they're together in one room, praising God, sharing stories, uh, praying together with one another. And in many cases, they... They had to speak a third language so that they could communicate. Uh, mm. But it was just a beautiful, beautiful picture. And I really wish you could have been there to see that because I know that's where your heart mm. is. Yeah, I wondered if you met uh, Sion, if yeah. he was there. Because um, Sion was one of the young people back in Laos 
and I I used to be the photographer at their youth rallies, and he pointed out to me once, there he was, the only one with a cap on in this whole group of young people, and that was back in 73 or 74. Yeah. And uh, he's quite a character, but God's really used him tremendously for the Kumul. Yeah, he's he's one of the senior members now of that ethnic minority broadcasting group, and has taken a significant leadership role over all the mm. other ones. Uh, he preached a message in the Thai language, which I really wish I could have understood because his passion and enthusiasm up on the stage is reminding me of a Billy Graham revival back in the early days. Uh, and his son was actually there, who's now deeply Joshua. involved in the ministry, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's a very uh, well-respected leader amongst the minority gathering and a very important role as he's developing the next generation of these leaders, which is which is important for us to do. We'll have to see if yeah. you can come to that next gathering, Frank. I think you'd enjoy that. <laughs> so of all these all these experiences you've got, is there one— a uh, really unusual or amusing circumstance that happened that you want to share before we wrap this episode up today? On the production end of things, my most familiar, of course, with um, what we did in, in Laos, because I still, I ran that studio with um, my Hmong assistant for what, four years. Um, I went back in 71 and we had it until... 75 yeah there was we got into trouble once because we didn't um monitor all the the broadcast that carefully but a rumor went round once that rich people couldn't go to heaven mm-hmm. and um yes but they can go to heaven no they can't we heard it on manila <laughs> and <laughs> For them, what Manila said was gospel. Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't sure. argue with Manila. And apparently, one of the preachers or speakers that we've been recording in Vientiane, and this was in the seventy-three, seventy-four, I suppose, had, had said that made that statement. And now, how were we going to undo it and correct that misinterpretation <laughs> of the parable? Oh boy! Um, uh, so that was. That was a good one, but it, it made you realize the the credibility. And we, we saw this in the refugee camps. When the Hmong were there, they would write to John Lee saying, we've got this problem in the camp in Thailand. Um, we're pastors, but they won't listen to us, but they will listen to you in your broadcast. So can you please talk about this subject in your programs on the radio? Okay. Because they will, they will believe you and uh, they will follow what you have to say. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting challenge, but it's certainly a compliment to the effectiveness of the radio that the people listened so deeply and trusted so much uh, the word of the broadcaster on the on the radio. So, uh, yeah, it, it points to the um, responsibility, the burden on the shoulders of not only John Lee, but you and others who were in those roles in those early days. So, Frank, I certainly appreciate the time you've given us today. And uh, once again, I'm hoping that uh, we can do this again in a couple of weeks because you have so much good information to share that I'm sure our listeners are just dying to hear more and more. So looking forward to the next time we can be together, Frank. Okay. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye.
Ed Cannon with our friend Frank Gray. I appreciate those conversations, Ed. Very, very insightful and uh, a lot of information there. Good information. Well, it's just fascinating. That that last point that he made, uh, we've heard from so many of our broadcasters that for some reason, when a voice comes over the radio, Mm -hmm. it tends to have more authority than if you're just talking to someone across the street. Now, for no valid reason, other than the fact that it's on the radio and some casual conversation isn't, but it does point to the need for us to take very seriously. Right. Well, Scripture tells teachers to be uh, to be careful. Right? You'll be held to a higher standard, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's important for us, and it's important for you as listeners to this podcast to remember to pray for our staff, protect them from the temptations that the world could bring, uh, from some evil influence. I mean, really, we do, Wayne, live a spiritual battle here at FABC. It's very evident to us that uh, there are powers of this world don't want these words to get out. They don't want our message to be effective. They want to do everything they can to block it. So your prayer is critically important so that we have those right voices, just like Frank was talking about, that can powerfully communicate the real truth in an effective way so that people will come to faith. We'll tackle a new conversation next time you join us for Until All Have Heard, but we appreciate Frank Gray, and no doubt he'll be back in the future to talk more with us about uh, this great organization, the Far East Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. We are at the start of a new year, not very deep into it now, and we know that there's a a lot that will happen this year that we're going to need a lot of prayer for, so we encourage you to pray for the Far East Broadcasting Company. Ed, thank you. Quite welcome, Wayne. Always a joy to be with you. We will talk again next week and hope that you will join us. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And then join us each week for Until All Have Heard, a production of the Far East Broadcasting Company.